Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Road Oral Football Show. I am Patrick Darty, joined as always this fine Monday, or is it Tuesday, by Mr. Denny Carter. We're going to break down the Colts' quarterback change, the Jets' backfield change, the evolving situations in Baltimore, Jacksonville, Carolina, basically any mid Atlantic or like southern Atlantic city uh, <laughs> you can think of, and so much more. But first, Denny, I'm just going to ask you a question, I think probably. Any of your Twitter followers, any of your longtime loyal readers, some of them yeah. may be wondering, and some of them probably know the answer just from following you, uh, you know, a sick individual such as yourself for so long. Um, but my this question is a very broad. Why? Why Halloween? Why wow. is Denny Carter so in to the pagan holiday of Halloween? Well, if you, if you think I'm into Halloween now, uh, you wouldn't believe me uh, in my uh, teens and 20s uh, because I have definitely calmed down a bit and and i mostly do i almost i mostly do the whole halloween stuff now for the kids for my kids yeah and that's what they all say yeah and 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 we you know we just had our halloween party this past weekend so we we are known as the the halloween uh family uh behind me on the bookshelf i have at least four books about the history of halloween so i'm well versed in all that now i i don't have an answer for why except for that i am a, a a deeply and tragically a nostalgic person and what's more, what can be more nostalgia provoking than memories of trick or treating. Right. Uh, and, and uh, even, even if there were some like terrible times trick or treating <laughs> uh, you, you, you like the human brain works so that you remember it as like the, the, the glory days, right? Like, like, Oh, if, if only I could be a kid wearing a hot mask, sweating underneath it, trick or treating with kids silently dumping all the hundred grand bars in a yard as soon as you get them except for i would be picking them up because they are the best candy bar of course uh (laughs) i can't believe you don't like a hundred grand never even had one i frankly quite literally never the wrapping is so unappealing you couldn't even pay me to eat one that wow so we're we're judging it based on the, the wrapping of the candy I wish that were a joke, but it actually is true. I, the the rapper was always so unappealing to me. I'd be like, next. So next, you're next. you're judging you <laughs> you're judging a candy by its wrapper. Yes, that's interesting. That's interesting. I think. And also, I usually tend to go more towards sweet stuff than chocolatey stuff. But I digress. Yeah, me too. No, no, me too. I'm 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 actually uh, t- just t- just today my my daughter made uh, it, what, what was it uh, muffins. 
with chocolate chips on them, I took the chocolate chips off. So, okay, I that's kind of messed up. I mean, I, yeah, no, I, don't tell her, please. <laughs> okay, I will not tell her. If her if her friends are listening, please. Eleanor, if you're listening, your father still loves you. Yes, um, yes, maybe. and I I just do not love chocolate. Uh, but I did I did want to mention you know a funny story about about my my last my last hurrah with trick or treating. It came at some might call an advanced age. <laughs> Because, you know, most people, you know, you'll say, oh, what time, what, what year did you stop trick-or-treating? And people will say, oh, I don't know, 11, 12, something like that. Maybe even. I was like 12, maybe 13. Okay. So uh, my last time trick-or-treating was when I was 18 years old. <sighs> that is way, way too old. But here's the thing. I had come out of retirement. I retired at 16. One last job then at I 18. Came, <laughs> I came in. I came back because, because. Uh, my, my now wife, then girlfriend had a little brother had still has a little brother. And I had a little brother who each wanted to go trick or treating and they wanted to go trick or treating in my parents' neighborhood. So what am I to do? What was I to do? I had to put on a mask. I had to go out and trick or treat and then, uh, proceed to freak out the entire neighborhood. Uh, <laughs> one of the last houses I ever trick or treat treated at was that an old lady came to the door. She saw me, you know, fully grown, a full grown man at that point. And she backed away and she goes, what are you doing here? Why are you <laughs> treating? Shouldn't you be out doing drugs? Are you serious? <laughs> and I, and she said that. I swear, I'll never forget that. And I, I was like, uh, is that what I should be doing? Would you prefer me to, <laughs> to, go, to go do that? It was very weird. Yeah, I feel like people are a little more forgiving about that with uh, young women than young men, but that 18 is way, 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 way too old. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I obviously I look like I was about to rob every house. And I'm obviously you person. did, of course. And, uh, <laughs> this is a lot of straight thought. First, I've been coming under fire in this house for been eating probably a few too many of the airheads we plan uh, to be handing uh, out. And I'm trying to not eat every single red one, but uh, boy, we're... Kind of running yeah. into trouble on that front. And I, I can't eat Airheads because they 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 leave that grime in your mouth, like that that sugary do. coat over your whole your teeth. Dude, I would get I would get twelve cavities if I had one Airhead. You know, speaking of which, I'm going to the dentist on Wednesday. The greatest scam in this great country remains <laughs> the dentist. I supposedly have two cavities, probably because I've been eating every single red Airhead for now right. weeks on end. And Listen, good luck, by the way. You're going to have to have all your teeth pulled, probably. Uh, Producer Adam says, it's like your teeth have fur when you eat an Airhead. And it's true. <laughs> you, you, you end up like like touching your tongue to your teeth, and you're like, oh, what is that? No, it's kind of amazing. I'm always real into like synthetic uh, or like weird tastes from like Red Bull or candy. I love like clearly like any sugar substance that's been like created like by, by Monsanto in a lab or like DuPont yeah. or something. Right. Well, Airheads actually began in yeah, DuPont Laboratories in 1932. Right. Well, I don't know that. But. They were a weapon deployed in World War II. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> too much uh, Airhead runoff have been running into the Cuyahoga River. And that's actually why it caught on fire. Right. The, the recipe hasn't changed, though, actually. Right. So it's what you're saying is uh, you do it for health purposes. Yeah, exactly. We've been talking way too long about Halloween, but I will say, too, uh, you know that you're almost 40, Danny Carter, when you're doing your Halloween party, what it sounded like on October 17th or something? 22nd. Uh, okay. Okay. Oh, so it was just literally this past weekend. Okay. Yeah. Well, it was the 29th one available, Danny? Yeah, it, it actually was because <laughs> everyone we asked, we're like, uh, no, we can't do that. So, okay. um, well, yeah. Um, 
must be getting old then. Dead yeah, old. no, I mean, it, 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 we are, we are, we, we, we once had it on Friday the 13th in an October uh, uh, for our Halloween party. And uh, I have to say that was uh, pretty great. Pretty great. I, I'm a big fan. There's at least Friday a hook there. Yeah. If you're going to do it early, you can probably only do it in October, Friday the 13th. And you said getting old. Speaking of getting old, Matthew Ryan. Um, old. 37 years old. He has been put out to pasture. Um, even though he is injured, the Colts went to great pains to say his, <laughs> his benching was not about his injury. Like Jim, Jim Irsay basically took the microphone and said, I want to put it in the paper. This is not because he's hurt. Like almost literally. Like, don't put it that because it was hurt. It's because he was bad. Right. And I no longer like him. That's right. And it does actually kind of sound like this was an owner-driven benching. I mean, in some ways, you could look at it. and Like, if you were, like, only looking, say, at the newspaper, if those still exist, you would see the Indianapolis Colts are 3-3-1 three, three and one, and right in the thick of it in a very, very bad, as always, AFC South division. But you don't have to do much prying to kind of figure out why Matt Ryan is being benched one of the worst in the league at EPA per play, one of the worst in the league at every conventional metric, uh, you know, spectacularly failing the eye test. It's like a player who didn't have much speed or like movement agilities to lose and has now lost that, just is not moving at a level you need to be moving. And the NFL has as many interceptions as touchdowns. It kind of seemed like it was time, but with players like Matt Ryan, they usually get to hang on for much longer than like long past time. Yeah. So it is a pretty shocking move. Um, just kind of what are your thoughts on this? What can our thoughts be on Sam Ellinger, uh-huh. uh, who in- entered the league with a bit of a dual threat pedigree coming right. out of Texas, but also an inaccurate pedigree. I mean, probably being thrown. To the, it's a, a unique situation that he's being thrown into the fire at three, three and one. Sam Ellinger, and just kind of what, where to begin with this uh, Colts quarterback situation? Yeah, I have to say, I, I I respect the hell out of Ursay for for being like, if you're listening, it's because Matt Ryan stinks, know, not because I know, I know, I know. Uh, I, know I did, I appreciated the clarification because uh, yeah. that is, I mean, they passed up like the textbook move. Oh yeah, you know he's got a shoulder yeah, injury. Yeah, no, nope, it's uh, not not what happened. They were very clear. All right, so my my initial thoughts on on this is that uh, the short-lived Paris Campbell season is over completely. Uh, you can drop him in all leagues. Alec Pierce gets a huge bump, I think, uh, as as the the main the only downfield threat the Colts have, and Ellinger has a strong arm, and I think he will. He has been known to let it rip. Um, Ellinger himself passes what I call the pulse test, in that he has one. Uh, so you can roster him in super flex leagues. Uh, but other than that, I don't know if he's going to have much usefulness in one quarterback formats. Uh, you know, again, this is, this is bad. This is, this is bad for all the pass catchers, I think, except for, except for Pierce who probably will get a, a few more downfield looks. Now, Matt Ryan, the reason I said on the last week's show, I said, I think I'm prioritizing Paris Campbell and I should have been more firm about this, Pat. I said, I want Paris Campbell over Alec Pierce, I, but I didn't say it that directly, but I meant it because Matt Ryan was averaging a league low 5.9 air yards per attempt. Okay. That does not fit the Alec Pierce profile. It fits the Paris Campbell profile and Campbell went out and scored 23 PPR points uh, this past week against the Titans, but that's all over now. You know, you, I hope you enjoyed it, you know, because that you're not getting that back. And Michael Pittman probably becomes like a wide receiver, like bottom, like 
bottom range two. Top I'll probably still be in the top 20, especially with bye weeks. If we're looking at like a full slate, there are 30 teams playing this week. Maybe he kind of has to be on like wide receiver 20 to 24 probation as we just see like what in the world is yeah. going on. Sam Ellinger against the Washington Commanders. Right. So, um, yeah, and it's not, it's definitely not good for the, for the running backs. I, I don't think Ellinger profiles this guy who's going to check down very much. All those short, quick throws that Matt Ryan was throwing over the past two weeks, all of those go away, I think. And so, yeah, I think this is, so I have a lot of like kind of like going forward thoughts. One thought, uh, just like writ large on the Colts is, this seems to be a shot across the bow at Frank Reich, obviously, and also at Chris Ballard that maybe uh, Jim Irsay is just kind of, he's over this era of Colts football. And a lot of the shine is kind of worn off uh, Chris Ballard over the past year or two. It's worn off of Frank Reich, who, who's gone from the quarterback whisperer to like failing back-to-back reclamation projects. And, um, and then I do also think too, it's like part of this is like, oh, the Colts offensive line like hasn't been helping Matt Ryan out. I think this is also maybe like part of a Colts belief. I'm totally projecting here that Matt Ryan is making the offensive line look worse than it actually is. Yeah, sure. Because as we know, offensive line play can frequently actually just be quarterback play. Yeah. And when Matt Ryan, every defense that's facing the Colts knows Matt Ryan cannot move. You play defense just totally different. You can take more chances. You don't have to respect the deep passing game. You can tee off on the quarterback more. I think this might be a way too for the Colts. But this, I, I think I, I, I'm pretty sure the Colts probably think their offensive line is better than has looked at Matt Ryan. And of course, it, of course, it's a recommitment to the running game. You yeah. don't put in like a former sixth round pick who's known as a dual threat uh, if you're not going to recommit to the run game. So Jonathan Taylor, even before the ankle injury, his touch counts have been kind of shaky. I think what he only had like 15 touches or something in his week seven return. I think we're going to see a full on re- recommitment mm-hmm. to the running game. And yeah, like, the week six, like 58 attempts or whatever, obviously a total mirage. I mean, I think even now like 30 attempts could be difficult to get to for a while for the Colts passing game. And yeah, real bad for everyone not named Michael Pittman. I do think – so last week I tried to talk you off of Paris Campbell because I'm like, well, you know, Alec Pierce, I know he doesn't fit the skill set, but I think Alec Pierce's role is sticky. You know, he's like the, he's the designated downfield guy. And I still think that might be kind of true, even with Sam Ellinger. No, I like, Alec Pierce says, yeah, his targets could remain like surprisingly sticky at like six to eight. And like, and even though the overall attempts will be going out, I think they will still try to funnel as many looks as possible to Michael Pittman. I don't think it hurts Pittman and maybe Pierce that bad. Totally agree with you that the short lived Paris Campbell season is fully over. Yeah. I, and I, and I thought I, I picked him up in a couple of leagues and I thought, Oh, like we're going to get this, this terrible quick hitting Colts offense for the rest of the season. Might as well plug in Paris Campbell as a guy who's going to see 10 targets a game. Like, but uh, yeah, no, that that's definitely, you know, Alec Pierce is still going to be frustrating, I think for fantasy, because, you know, he's, he's going to see five to seven targets. And if he doesn't hit on one of them, it's going to be, you know, pretty bleak, but if he hits on one and if he hits on two, you're looking at a huge week. So just embrace the volatility there, I think, if you have to with Alec Pierce. Yeah, he's from kind of the Marquez Valdez-Scantling school of fantasy right. where zero-point floor, but the kind of guy who can change a week, flip a matchup on only two or three catches if one of them happens to be like a 45-yard touchdown yes, or even just like a 45-yard non-touchdown. So, yeah, don't go dropping Alec Pierce. I mean, not that anyone's probably like racing out to drop Alec Pierce. Like, I don't know, we have like emotional droppers like they just saw the news Monday afternoon. Like, well, that's it. I'm dropping Alec Pierce. I'm not even. I'm not even adding. Him. <laughs> um, so yeah. I think you can kind of wait and see. Do All 
Are we are we streaming Sam Ellinger against the Commanders? Uh, um, I, we we even even have any data on this? So I I think because of the of he he has some rushing juice, you know, and and you got to give that to him, and I and I I think that that provides some floor. So even if even if he's not great through the air, which he probably won't be, um, you know, he might be a guy who takes off and uh, and gives you you know that 30, 40, 50 yards on the ground. That's incredibly valuable. That's a that's that's a touchdown. That's a touchdown on the ground. Uh, I mean, I'm sorry, a passing touchdown on, on the ground, mm-hmm. fantasy wise. So, um, I, I I think there are better streaming options. Daniel Jones comes to mind. Um, a couple other guys, but but yeah, I mean, 14 team league. I think you you're you're looking you're looking pretty strongly at Ellinger if you don't have an elite option. Yeah, Daniel Jones week is here. By the way. Um, three of his best six rushing efforts of his entire career have come in the past month. Yeah. Uh, finally, as a live receiver and Wandale Robinson, uh, Kadarius Tony, I know a big foot doesn't seem like he's coming back <laughs> anytime soon, but, uh, who are the, who are the giants playing this week, by the way, Mr. Mr. Denny? Yeah. Uh, new, uh no, not new Orleans. Um, what is it? Uh, J- Jones is playing the Seattle. They're playing Seattle. Sorry, very riveting. I should have either written that down or asked you to write that down. Yeah, they're, uh, yeah, they're, they're, they're playing Seattle. And and yeah, it, it couldn't look better for Jones. Of course, nothing could go wrong. Yeah, of course. And a team that everyone had been teeing off on the Seahawks until they played the extremely down bad Los Angeles Chargers. And we got 50 more attempts and under 300 yards yet again from Justin Herbert. Joe Lombardi. Um, you need to answer for your crimes. I mean, can we That's get Congress to look into this? Yeah, I mean, I mean, what? Yeah, whatever. It doesn't even have to be. It doesn't have to be under oath. But will no. you testify? Just, um, just casually, can he? Can Joe Lombardi go to Washington D.C. and talk about what he's doing with the Chargers offense? And yeah, you can even begin for a few minutes, like telling stories about your grandfather, the great uh-huh. Vincent Lombardi. You can be, yeah, start sure. off kind of jovial, friendly. Uh-huh. Then there might be just a light grilling. It's not under oath again. Uh, you don't mm-hmm. even need to bring a lawyer, Joe. It's fine. <laughs> no, they don't have to be whispering over your shoulder as you yeah. talk to the senators. Yeah, don't bring a lawyer. Um, that's always really good advice, <laughs> Joe Lombardi. Don't that's bring what a lawyer. you told me. Yeah. <laughs> and it worked out. I know. Uh, yeah, you're still working here, so it, it did work out. Uh, so we don't quite know what to expect from the Indianapolis Colts going forward. We probably know what to expect from the New York Jets going forward without Brees Hall. Probably the saddest injury of the year so far. Brees Hall is looking like such a dynamic young player. Had ripped a 62-yard touchdown before tearing his ACL in Denver on Sunday. There's no way to sugarcoat what's a brutal, brutal loss for fantasy managers. Even worse for the New York Jets. But we do know things are going to shake out. Michael Carter is going to be the starter. They probably kind of want it to be a committee, but really the only other real back on the roster is Ty Johnson, who's kind of a pure pass catcher. They are now like lacking someone with an early down pedigree. So I could see things maybe getting a little weird in the Jets backfield, maybe with someone who's not on the roster right now. Maybe someone's on the roster that we just don't really know about. But, I mean, do you think this is easy as – and so, again, this is a true not in my league. Micah Carter was already rostered in like 65 66% of Yahoo leagues. So he's not going to be available many places – but if you already have Michael Carter, what are the like, realistic expectations for Michael Carter? So the Michael Carter you got when he was the lead back to start the season is not the Michael Carter you're going to get now because the Jets are one of the most conservative run he- run heavy teams in the league. They're hiding uh, what is generously one of the worst starting quarterbacks in the Mark. NFL in Zach Wilson. Come on, come on. It's it's all it's awful. It's it, awful. it's 
I will. I tried to get a little like, more positive about Zach. Yeah, as you know, we I, we I wouldn't say we disagreed about it, but I tried to just remind myself you got to remain open minded with these young quarterbacks. And so, like, I was giving Zach Wilson a chance, but the the Jets are not giving Zach Wilson a no. chance because they have absolutely zero faith in him. And it is his play has been very, 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 very concerned. Right. So, so in short, you're 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 definitely not getting you know eight eight to ten targets, whatever you were getting when Joe Flacco was under center from New York. You're not getting that. What you are getting is a lot of the early down work. Probably, I don't know, seventy to eighty percent of the pass routes out of the backfield, which which is an elite mark. You know, we we see that that route participation rate among backs like Alvin Kamara, uh, Christian McCaffrey, like like true. Uh, pass catching uh, specialists and you know guys who really excel we will get that with Michael Carter Michael Carter and I, I wrote about this a lot in the preseason some are saying too much that Michael Carter was uh, by almost every measure v- very efficient one of the most efficient pass catching backs and rushing backs in the NFL last year uh, I, I I don't know if he can keep that up in the current offense they have some offensive line issues now that uh, Zach Wilson is a detriment to the whole team um, in, in, in fantasy. But I think Mike with Michael Carter, you have an easy top 20 guy who, you know, importantly should see a lot of green zone work, a lot of, a lot of work near the goal line. I do think he'll be top 20. I do think week eight is not going to be a realistic representation of what things are going to look like for this backfield, like most weeks. And it's going to be a week to like, kind of like gives uh, people who've already been rostering Michael Carter heart palpitations because they're playing the New England Patriots. Yeah, The Patriots had an early season reputation for having a really shaky run defense. They kind of turned that around. They totally erased the Browns uh, running game in week six. And, like Even if their run game personnel is kind of shaky, with the Jets just presenting zero passing threat. I mean, now Corey Davis is injured with an MCL injury. Yeah. We assume Elijah Moore will be back. I mean, with Bill Belichick, it's not going to be like any mystery like what he's going to have to do. In week eight, they're going to sell out to stop the Jets running game. They're going to make Zach Wilson beat them. And I think it's going to be just a really, 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 really tough week for the Jets offense. And that it's going to be maybe fairly bleak for Michael Carter in his first game without Brees Hall. And that his fantasy managers are going to have to accept that it might be a tough game, tough first game yeah. post Brees Hall. And the better returns will be on the way after they're done with the Bill Belichick boogeyman. Why is Bill so mean? Um, yes, no, it is. It is. Uh, thank you, Bill, for ruining uh, my, Michael Carter manager's uh, happiness coming into week eight. Uh, you know, the the Patriots play, uh, I think, the, the the least amount of too high safety coverages in the NFL. We're going to see that a lot Monday night against the Bears because there's no reason to play too high safeties against the Bears. And there's no reason to do that against the Jets. So they will be crowding the line of scrimmage. I think they will be focused on shutting down the run making sure that Zach Wilson has to beat them. And I have a story for you that starts with Zach Wilson not beating the Patriots. <laughs> and by the way, I mean, that Monday night game already happened between the Bears and the Patriots. And yes. And we I got to say, I was beat. glad to actually have a good primetime game. Uh, when right. that stuff happened, that was good. Yeah, the, was there was good. the pass. You remember the pass that was downfield? Yeah. Joe Buck, like, actually, like, woke up midair this mm-hmm. week actually uh, <laughs> his, what has become his annual monday evening Troy Aikman was not yelling about the analytics yeah. <laughs> i gotta be honest we, we shouldn't get too much into like talking about our competitors and their announcers i know a lot of people do not like troy aikman for some reason i frankly enjoy listening oh to i uh, like, 
I know he, he's he's not coming at it from the analytics perspective. That's for darn tootin'. Oh my gosh! Um, I, I it actually like but, like it, it brings me like actual pain uh, to listen to him be like, oh, he's Joe, I don't. Very cranky the past years, just not about analytics, and that's kind of what I've been enjoying. Like he'll just get like he'll start like just getting openly disgusted with Jimmy Garoppolo. We're like, I think it's one of the reasons he finally left Fox, so he didn't have to call an NFC game every week. So he just right. wasn't watching like Jimmy Garoppolo every other week. He he was over it. I I am, but I'm so I'm so tired of the shtick that that that, that starts with him saying I, I don't know what the numbers say, Joe, <laughs> but here's here's a here's what you got to do. I mean, you know, you have a team full of men, and those men got to know that you're in it to win it, you know, and stuff like that. He's I I I will say a kind of an opinion I've, I've developed on a now, especially from you know I listen to so many baseball games, and we're not like you know there's always. Everyone now on the internet just wants like all the baseball announcers don't be talking about like the most like esoteric, like advanced stats imaginable. And I, all I really want is someone that's like, I, I, I've gone full boomer. I just want to be entertained. Like I already know all the numbers stuff. Like I read it on Twitter the entire game. Like I don't need, right. like, I don't need like the announcers talking about like EPA or whatever. Cause I'm already, I'm already getting that like main line to me on the internet during the game. Yeah. But I frankly, you, just want someone entertaining to listen Pat, to. Think about all the normies who don't know. know. There's so many normies watching football who don't know this stuff. They're and not, they're, just, they're, 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 they're not mainlining EPA data. They're not, they're not mainlining, uh, uh, you know, bots on Twitter that are telling you when a team should and shouldn't go for it on fourth down. They don't know that stuff and they'll never know. I don't care if they know. I don't, uh, I don't even want them to know. It helps me that they don't know. Uh, it doesn't help me. It, it gives me heartburn. It helps me that they don't know. Um, I was trying to think of a good transition for this. So I've usually, man, I always have a transit. I don't have a transition for this next one. We're talking about Gus Edwards. And, <laughs> um, I guess he's the priority ad this week, Mr. Denny. He's uh, under 50% yeah. rostered. Uh, 16 carries, a total he'd never bettered, I believe, mm. in 2020. John Harbaugh, you could tell he had been waiting for this moment. Like he'd yes. been keeping a diary every day, one day closer to Gus, the bus coming back. Yes, one unleash. They they unleashed un- Gus. What are the ramifications of unleashing Gus? It seemed like it was kind of a tough watch, um, according <laughs> to you on our Slack chat. <laughs> and how much is too much? And I'll, I'll start with the leading question. It seemed like maybe kind of. This could end up like a high watermark, maybe for Gus. Like, I don't know, maybe not. Just what? What the heck should we be thinking about Gus Edwards? What should we be bidding? Um, Look, Fab. I, I I really don't think you need to chase Gus Edwards on the waiver wire this week. I actually think that you know, and I I've done a fair amount of research today of writing the waiver wire column, which will be up on NBCSportsEdge.com on Tuesday morning at ten o'clock Eastern time. I like Deontay Foreman over Gus Edwards. And it's because Foreman has, with the injury to Chuba Hubbard, and uh, and I know it may may not be a serious injury, but with that injury, with Foreman's profile, with the Panthers' offense, I think that Foreman has a path to a more fantasy-friendly role. Look, Edwards got 16 carries in a game where Lamar Jackson threw 16 passes, okay? For some reason, the Ravens went... You know, they went full Chicago Bears. You know, went Mariota season. You right, right. It was like Arthur Smith was co- was was coaching the the Ravens, and and that stunk. That stunk for fantasy. And the and the fact that they did it when Gus Edwards was back, maybe it was because it was be, it was against the Browns, who have one of the two or three worst rush defenses in the league. You know, maybe that's the case. I will say that he's still trapped in a 
in a three-way timeshare backfield committee. Okay, Justice Hill is still back there. He had the second most snaps. Uh, Kenyon Drake had the third most snaps. None of them cleared 40% snap rate. Kenyon Drake still saw 11 carries for five yards, by the way. Um, uh, so, I mean, yeah, Kenyon, Kenyon Drake's not good. Yeah, just by the way, hopefully you don't remember anything we said about Kenyon Drake. Actually, we were pretty negative on Kenyon Drake. I was extremely yeah. – I, yeah, I, I talked to you. I said, I said no, 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 no. Ken, yeah, Kenyon Drake thing's not happening. That's right. That's right. So here's, here's my, my approach to both the Ravens and the, the Chiefs' backfields right now. Who cares? I, I don't I – don't, I don't, I, I, I'm, I'm good chasing other, I'll go after other running backs uh, on the waiver wire. I'll, I, I will stash other guys who can bring me real upside. I'm not going to chase two touchdowns from Gus Edwards every week. That's not happening. It's not going to happen, but obviously a lot of people just don't have that luxury. Um, no. I'm trying to think who I started. There's someone I started on Sunday. It was, it was just like absolutely unspeakable. <laughs> um, and it was only like a 12 team league. Tevin I, Coleman. It's a, I started Tevin Coleman last week in the same yeah. league. I wish I were kidding. I dropped Tevin Coleman. Oh, it was Craig Reynolds. Sorry, so some of us are out here starting Craig Reynolds, Denny, in 12 team league. So I, I think you absolutely have to put in a bid. On yeah, Gus sure. Edwards. Sure. Uh, like but you, it'd be malpractice not to be putting in a bid on. On Gus Edwards, look, but but uh, no pass catching work, okay? No. And he has no prospect for pass catching work. No. First of all, Lamar doesn't check down to his running back. Second of all, he's not out there running routes, so he is is severely Gus Edwards is severely limited as to how many opportunities he can get, how many fantasy points he can score in a given week. So I'm trying not to get too psyched psyched up about this, but I will say that I think that the Gus Edwards season is overblown because of the two short touchdowns, one of which came Rashad Bateman being tackled at the one-inch line. It is He played only 23 snaps, I think, and got 16 carries. So it was like a clear commitment, but I also just think like 16 carries is maybe kind of a ceiling because just seeing the way things have gone with J.K. Dobbins, I doubt it was the guy who spent six games in the pup list. I doubt they're going to want to be like adding too much extra mileage to his surgically repaired knee. I mean, maybe he looks totally ready for it. Yeah. But I feel like he was at his workload ceiling already. And as you say, I was really, really the, – the, the results were really enhanced by two touchdowns, but this isn't usually going to happen for Gus Edwards in a Lamar Jackson-led offense. Um, so you absolutely I, – I, of course you bid on Gus Edwards, but yeah, he doesn't seem like someone where you, – you're not trying to win Gus Edwards at all costs. Um, no, no. I, I mean, there's nobody on the waiver wire that – No, not this you week. Know, I, I mean – Man, I, I hope everybody went in on Ken Walker. Whew. Yeah, I know. Oh, Man, gosh, I didn't get him anywhere because he was pretty much not in my league. He was already rostered in basically all my Oh, leagues. yeah, no, I mean, good God. He was like drafted before Rashad Penny in most of my leagues. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, he's been rostered since high school in all these <laughs> demi leagues. So. But we'll, we'll be right back after this. Do you want a beautiful lawn? Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour. And they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour.
With the Wells Fargo Active Cash Credit Card, you can earn unlimited 2% cash rewards on purchases you want and purchases you need. That means you earn 2% cash rewards on what you want, like season tickets to watch your favorite team, and 2% cash rewards on what you need, like paying for parking. That's the beauty of the Active Cash Credit Card. It's ready when you are, with unlimited 2% cash rewards. The Wells Fargo Active Cash Credit Card. That's real life ready. Terms apply. Learn more at wellsfargo.com slash active cash. Download the Rotorold app to receive breaking player news all season long. Stay ahead of the competition by favoriting players on your roster. Get the latest injury updates, player news, and much more delivered right to your phone. It's available in your app store today. And just a reminder, if you don't have the NBC Sports Predictor app, go download it now. The contests are free and easy to play, and you have a shot to win thousands this weekend by predicting what will happen in college football, on the NASCAR circuit, and in the Premier League. There's also $100,000 up for grabs by guessing the outcome between the Packers and Bills in our Sunday night seven contest. Man, I realize NBC, we were getting the last stand to Aaron Rodgers this week. That'll be... Oh boy. You'll, you'll be waiting. I know you'll be waiting all day for Aaron Rodgers last stand. Um, I I wait all week for Sunday night, but I I obviously wait. I do wait all day. This is a this is John Snow facing the army charging toward him. It is. With the, you know, and and uh we'll see we'll see what happens. Yeah, usually players like Aaron Rodgers run this kind of situation, they do rally back. But the roster would be incredible. It would be like now, I don't want to say career defining because he has a Super Bowl, but but yeah, pretty pretty uh, far up there. At, look, on the road in Buffalo against a uh, tough defense, huge underdogs, no pass catching help. This would be incredible. I think that they're going to get their faces stomped in. Yeah, they just lost to the Jets and Commanders. Um, the Commanders. Once again, we have to emphasize that and the Commanders. Yeah, the, and just hard hard to imagine how you rally from that in a stadium full of Packers fans. They lost to. The they game. did. Yeah, I know. I mean, it was a home game, and yeah. yeah. Uh, <laughs> by the way, hashtag sell the team, Dan. I mean, come on, please for the love. <laughs> so you already kind of talked about this next one. You're prioritizing Deontay Foreman over Chuba Hubbard. Yeah. Well, I don't know. What's the Monday update on Chuba's uh, ankle injury? Maybe we should check that. We're talking about. You it check that. Show. I'm going to talk. I'm going to talk about Deontay Foreman real quick. So, the thing with Foreman. So he was picked up in a lot of leagues after Christian McCaffrey was traded to San Francisco. He is rostered in about half of Yahoo leagues, which is way more than I thought. Nevertheless, I'm going to talk about him. Um, so in Week Seven, Chuba Hubbard left the game in the second half with an ankle injury. Uh, it seems there hasn't been any. Adam Schefter reported Sunday night he could have come back. There's actually yet to be an update to that as of Monday afternoon. Nah. It seemed like maybe, you know, the Panthers knew they didn't need Chuba Hubbard to beat the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, one of the worst teams in the NFL. So yeah. they kind of like they played it safe. They kept yeah. Chuba out. Well, look, Foreman was really, really good last year. All all the way back, uh, you know, from a, an early career Achilles injury, uh, Foreman from week seven or week 12 to 17 last, last year had the eighth most rushing yards, uh, among all running backs. Uh, he was 13th among all running backs in yards before contact per attempt, which is like an indication of explosiveness running to daylight, like finding the running lanes, things of that nature. Deontay Foreman's really good. Uh, he had over a hundred yards against the bucks. It was a, a lot of it was on a 60 yard run after he broke a tackle. Um, he also caught two balls for 27 yards. He's a good pass catcher as well. So I, I just, I really think that the, in the long run, Foreman's path to fantasy viability and path to something approaching upside is clearer than Gus Edwards. 
And then speaking of Deontay Foreman versus Chuba Hubbard, the reason they added Deontay Foreman is because Chuba kind of got overexposed as like yes. the fill-in for Christian McCaffrey. He wasn't a good situation, of course, um, or any kind of anyone would have looked bad for that Panthers team down the stretch last season or probably will look bad for this Panthers team down the stretch this season. It is a weird situation. I don't – I was a little surprised that Chuba got the first crack. He was announced as a starter. Too. He basically had the lead for the first three quarters. I mean, Deontay was mixing in and remaining involved. I, I would say it doesn't I, – I wouldn't say case closed on whatever's going on in this Panthers backfield, but my my first instinct was Deontay Foreman – and now with Chuba, there's been no indication on Monday this is a serious ankle injury. It seems like he'll probably play for week eight. But that's probably enough to tie a break in Deontay's favor for week eight. And yeah. And there's two it, – it's so weird. They're playing an elite def- Bucks defense. Uh, but very good chance this is the high water mark for both of them of what happened against the Bucks. Pro- possibly. You know, I mean, Foreman's not going to rip off a 60-yarder every week, obviously. Uh, he Notably, Foreman played – all of the two minute drill uh, snaps for the Panthers per pro football focus. So uh, I do think that they see him as a, a viable pass catcher. Um, I, I guess, I guess Hubbard could, should be picked up too. I, I just, I tend to lean toward Foreman as the guy who can emerge here as a lead back. I do too, just because we, Chuba, DeAndre Roman was just a better player than Chuba last year. I mean, he was on a different team. But he was just a better player than Chuba. Yeah. They went out and, and a vote of no confidence in Chuba added Deontay Foreman and producer Adam Ryan's, by the way, Deontay Foreman had a 2000 yard season at Texas, then gave wow. way to Mr. Sam Ellinger in 2000. You just wish you could see Deontay Foreman and Sam Ellinger uh, reunite at the NFL level. They would wreck this. This league. is all anybody's wanted for years. It is. They would wreck. I can't be the only one who thinks they would wreck this league. Um, so if anyone remembers that Twitter deep cut, I, I do. I do. Um, so, <laughs> Our brains are not well. They're not well. No. And they never will be. Speaking of not well, Denny, Kyle Pitts, um, <laughs> nine yards. The they trailed. I already went through this on the the podcast. Pat Crane. The, the Falcons trailed twenty one to nothing. Five seconds into the <laughs> second quarter on Sunday, they trailed twenty eight seventeen at halftime. They trailed thirty five seventeen at the five minute mark of the third quarter, and they still attempted thirteen passes. Just oh. Not a serious offensive approach. We've had it proven there's no game script that will make the Falcons pass heavy. That that game nope. script is if that didn't happen Sunday, that game script does not exist. I mean, I'm sure some people already are talking about dropping Kyle Pitts. I feel like you just still can't do that. I mean, I'm just gonna scream upside, and that's like basically the only argument. But he's he possesses upside a lot of these guys do. But would we have already dropped Kyle Pitts? Uh, if if Kyle Pitts were Hayden Hurst, he yes. would have been on the waiver wire a long time ago. I'm he would sorry. have been on the waiver wire week one. It would it would have been it would have been back then. Look, I, you you can't continue to slam your head against the wall here and say, well, this is the week that they're going to pass a lot. It doesn't look that the fact that Kyle Pitts is a generational talent literally doesn't matter at all right now. Okay, it might matter someday after five years of Arthur Smith coaching this team, but it doesn't matter now. And so you have options like. I mean, I, I talked about it on the waiver show uh, on, on, on YouTube. You have options now. You have Kate Otten, who's a better fantasy option than Kyle Pitts. You have Jawan Johnson, who is a better fantasy oh, option no, than Kyle no, Pitts. Please. He please is. No. no, it's true. Like, it, it, ours is a game within a game, you know? Like, it, like okay, he's, 
Kyle Pitts is elite athletically and everything and every other way. And it doesn't matter. And K. Dotton is out there running 50 routes a game. That's what you want, you know? So I, I just I think that it is time to give up the ghost on uh, Kyle Pitts. Do people, are you, will you straight up tell people to drop Kyle Pitts? Um, if you, you need, know, if you, you don't need, have the guts, do you? It's hard. It's hard to tell people to drop their third round pick. You know, I. I but if you if you need room, you know, if, if you're struggling through buys or whatever, yeah, do it. Yeah, there's only two teams on buy this week. What are you talking about? Oh my god. Well, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it, we we are holding on to a name more than a game right now. So you, there there you is abs- no doubt about that. You absolutely cannot roster Kyle Pitts in ten team leagues. No, no, you cannot. I'm there's no gonna, reason. No, there's not. Ugh, man, it's just so so sad. But yeah, if not if not Sunday, then when? And I feel like it's so frustrating because this this does happen quite often in fantasy. We're like, well, that's it. Uh, it didn't happen in this one situation. It's over. And then, it, of course, because it's the stupid NFL, it does happen. But like you said, that's just like blind faith. Like we played seven games. I mean, at this point, it, blind faith is really the only argument. You're believing a superstition in Kyle Pitts at this point. Yeah, right, right, right. And don't be superstitious, even though it is Halloween season. You you you, you can't you can't do that. Also, look, there, like I said, there are lots of waiver wire options running a ton of a ton of routes. Like there are guys you you can you can replace him with. I, I just I think you're you're giving up. Basically, you're giving up like possibly like ten PPR points a week if you're starting Kyle Pitts over some some waiver wire options. So. Uh, someone who could be a waiver wire option to me now is James Robinson. Is he droppable after the um, zero touch fiasco that was his week seven? Right. So if if folks missed it, uh, uh, no no carries, one target. He had five snaps against the Giants. It is over for James Robinson as a viable fantasy play. Also, you can't drop him. Um, <laughs> you know, I mean, because his contingency value is 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 great. You know, it's it's the same thing with Kareem Hunt. You can't really start Kareem Hunt. You know, he's not seeing a lot of a lot of uh, touches in the Cleveland backfield. But you can't drop him because his contingency value. Because if Chubb goes down, you have a Hunt getting 20, 25 touches a game. It's the same thing, similar thing, I should say, with James Robinson. He probably wouldn't get twenty to twenty five touches, but he would be the lead back. So you don't no, don't drop him. But it's his, his days as the team starter uh, clearly over. Clearly, yeah. There, there was nothing. There's nothing fluky about zero no. touches. Like that's a, a coaching decision, and and then it's, it doesn't help that Travis Etienne then was quite good on his 15 touches. Yeah, and Etienne's gotten like unlucky with some stuff. I know he fumbled, but he was it was like an amazing play by the defender to pop the ball out, even though Etienne had the ball like tucked in. And I mean, he you know it wasn't. I I, I just feel like Etienne has gotten the you know the the. Uh, so some some bad fortune and uh, could could really really break out uh, over the season second half. Yeah, and it would have been one thing for James Robinson if Etienne had like forty two yards from scrimmage. Then maybe they'd go back to the draw. It's just why would they go back to the drawing board after yeah. that game? And, again, zero touches is probably a fluke. That's probably an outlier. Like I think most weeks James Robinson will probably still get like maybe even six to eight touches. To be honest, mm-hmm. especially with how much the Jags' um, passing game is struggling. So it's like I, zero, like that. That's a fluke. Um, but there's just not enough coming back. He's not going to be a flex value until someone gets hurt, and that's someone being Travis Etienne. Like you said, the contingent value is humongous. I agree that you got to keep him if you can. 
But also, I got to agree. I mean, what, what if you're like in a cult situation and you're two and five and you're desperate for a roster spot? I don't know. Maybe, maybe cut him loose. Also, uh, I'm I'm wondering if his if his injury, if his Achilles situation has regressed at all, um, and that would make Jamichael Hasty as something of a uh, of a pickup. Um, you know, Hasty would be next in line behind <laughs> Robinson or. I mean, you know, there's a scenario where Etienne misses time and and Hasty takes over. Like, if if they're really not using Robinson at all, then wh- who who says that they'll say, okay, well now that Etienne's hurt, uh, you know, we're back, we're back to James. James is is the the unquestioned lead back. So yeah, but uh, tough development if you had been flexing James Robinson. Speaking of tough developments, Danny Isaiah Pacheco is finding new ways to break fantasy managers' hearts. Um, yeah, a lot of fanfare Sunday morning from a few reporters that he was going to be the starter, and then he did start, and then he technically played more snaps than Clyde Edwards-Helaire. But Clyde Edwards-Helaire yet again scored a touchdown because that's just what he does. Apparently, Jarek McKinnon played more snaps than either of them. Is Pacheco season is it over once again before it even began? Once again, question yeah, mark. Look. Look, it, this is the same thing with the Ravens backfield. It, it, it's, it, you know, I, I, it's like a shoulder shrug. Like, okay, it's a three, it's a three way split in the backfield. Jarek McKinnon had the most snaps uh, in week seven against the Niners was very effective on his limited touches, including in the passing game. Pacheco has no path to pass catching work. Um, he would need to you know score a touchdown or two to deliver a fancy viable stat line uh, with the limited number, he had eight. He had eight carries. He had eight carries, and 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 I, I believe four of them came in the fourth quarter. This is a game they won by twenty-one points, and he got eight carries. Exactly. So just like with okay, stick with me here for a second. It like with Kyle Pitts and Drake London this past week. If they can't get there for fantasy purposes in that game script against the Bengals, and if Pacheco can't get there as the newly named starter in a blowout win against the Niners, then when are they going to get there? They're never going to get there. So the most important thing we have to remember about Pacheco being named the starter is that it doesn't matter at all. It's, it feels a little strong, but it doesn't uh, matter. now they're on bye too. Yeah, no, it doesn't <laughs> I, I, I don't, I don't care about Pacheco at all. I don't care about CEH, Ch- Pacheco, no, nobody. I'm, I'm hoping that Jarek McKinnon, uh, carves out a, a bigger role here, and, and I think that he's worth worth rostering. Now, all these guys should be rostered. They should obviously. be rostered, but obviously. But they come up by against the Titans, by the way, who are much better on the ground than through the air. So it's not like he's going to come roaring out in Week Nine. Pacheco. No, please, please don't uh, don't blow a bunch of fab on Pacheco. I will say Pacheco playing the Chargers in Week Eleven. I'm starting. I'm I'm, I'm date circling. Because that yeah. is the day he's going for 132 yards on 20 carries against the Chargers. 20 carries for a Chiefs running back. Oof. Wow. I mean, not... even Andy Reid's going to have to run the ball against the Chargers, who just cannot stop a soul on the ground yet again um, with their supposedly defensive-minded head coach. Yeah. No. Nope. Brand Staley's a bad head coach, Denny. I'm sorry, but he he. Just... Oh no, the the analytics movement is over. Yeah, he, he is ending it. We need a real analytics person to further the analytics mm-hmm. movement instead of. My rant about Brandon Staley on Twitter too is like he's not like he's perceived in in Troy Aikman talking head terms he's perceived as aggressive because he goes for it on fourth downs kind of nonsensically uh, but he's like one of the least aggressive coaches in the entire league. And what I tweeted is basically they have like an Andy Dalton mentality for like every play except for when it's fourth and four. 
Justin Herbert's supposed to become like Josh Allen or something. Right. Like they're just they're fake aggressive. It's a fake show. They are. No, it is it is a fake great. So our new analytics king is Mike McDaniel. That's that's what I, that's what I'll say. We we have to keep gravitating toward nerdy head we coaches do. until we find one who who is who is successful with the analytics. Although, hey, you know what? Mike McDaniel continued in the tradition of Brandon Staley on Monday night or Sunday night against the uh, Steelers, and uh, he went forward on fourth down and he called a play that could not have been successful. It was a Chase Edmonds run no. up the middle on fourth and three. I was designed specifically not to convert the fourth down. So again, I would I would appreciate if analytically minded head coaches would try to convert on fourth down. And the analytics actually said to kick it there, um, and the gut definitely said to kick it there. Like I was watching Kenny Pickett, like yeah, just make this a nine point game and it is over. Uh-huh. Right. I mean, yeah. When when your uh, when your opposing quarterback is that bad, then yes, I think probably you do kick it. Um, Denny, we'll go some waivers rapid fire. Uh, who Who is your priority receiver ad of this great week eight? Yeah, uh, you know, I, I mentioned Alec Pierce a second ago. He's available in about half of leagues. Uh, Wondell Robinson, uh, still still available in, oh, I just had it. Oh, yeah, uh, in 70% of wow. Yahoo leagues. Way yeah. too many. The, the folks the folks did not <laughs> did not flock to the waiver wire no, did not. Uh, to, to get him. Makes me wonder if they're reading carefully. Um, so um, his route rate went from about 35% in week seven or week six, 35% in week six to about 85% in, in, in week seven. Um, he led the team in targets. You know, I, I, I do think that you, you can't get too pumped up about Wanda Robinson. I, I think, you know, it's it's, true. he's a PPR scam. Uh, you know, he's going to get a lot of those dinks and dunks. Hopefully he breaks one, one of these days. It's a little bit of a Rondell Moore situation. Um, but you know, I, I think that he's fine as a, as a wide receiver three, um, that you can plug in, you know, if you, if you have to start three or four wide receivers, you feel okay about having Wondell. Danny, who is the tight end out of the week? Where oh, it seemed man. like you were huh? much more interested. You, it seemed like you wrote two or 3000 words in the early version of your waivers column I got yeah. on tight ends. And, it seems like you didn't write any words in wide receivers, just to be frank. I, you know, we're we're working on that. My interns are uh, <laughs> hustling to write, <laughs> to write about some <laughs> tight end. I mean, wide receivers, uh, because we've we've been told that we have to include wide receivers. Uh, uh, Kate Otten, you know, I'm, so, I'm I know you're tired of me talking about Kate Otten, but I, I'm going to really. continue. Uh, he's he's available in 85 percent of leagues. Cam Bray, I. Think think we'll miss probably another game they, they play on a short week this week against the ravens cambray hurt his neck pretty serious neck injury just two weeks ago uh so kate otten uh in his first start led all tight ends in the nfl in routes in his second start he was second in routes wow. run um you know he's not a target commander by any means i mean look he's behind mike evans he's behind chris godwin in the pecking order probably even russell gage at times and leonard fournette but hey when you pass it 45 times, you know, those those uh, targets filter down to to almost everybody. We saw that with Tyler Boyd this week. Tyler Boyd is finally a thing because the Bengals have said, hey, we ha- we just discovered that we have a good quarterback. We're going to throw it a lot now. And, and congrats to the Bengals for discovering Joe Burrow in week uh, six and seven. Um, so uh, Kate Otten is, is definitely one. Uh, Greg Dolchich. I was going to say, please at least mention him. Greg Dul- Dulcich. I always say Dulcich. Uh, Dul- Dulcich. You, you, yeah. you lapsed into a Michael Caine there trying to say I did. Greg Dulcich. Oh. I did. Uh, it's my, I'm 
I'm too British. Many are saying, uh, I was going to say, by the way, the reason, just to not take people too far behind the curtain, the reason you were not eligible to be the leader of the British Conservative Party and become the new prime minister <laughs> was when they found out that you trick-or-treated at age 18. They thought that was just too weird. And you they, were disqualified they, I, from the leadership contest. I couldn't outrun that. Yeah, I, I all, all the MPs who had supported me, they, <laughs> they, they fled did. immediately. Uh, what can you do? And especially uh, in England, they were very upset that you were not doing drugs at age 18. <laughs> Right. <laughs> Boris Johnson was appalled. Yeah, he was appalled. Um, so Dulcich, uh, he's run a route on 91% of Denver's dropbacks over his first two games. That is tremendous usage. He has, uh, he's been used in the slot on 65% of his routes. That's like, that's like Mark Andrews type usage. I'm, you know, and people are, Oh, you're saying Greg Dulcich is Mark Andrews. Yes. That's exactly what I'm saying. <laughs> no. Uh, but you know, he's going to be out there a lot running a ton of routes Hopefully Russell Wilson is back soonish, and hopefully he is maybe slightly less terrible than he has been. But anyway, you—it's it, a luxury. It's a luxury to pick up a tight end with this sort of role, even on a terrible offense, and 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 to be able to plug him in in deeper leagues. I think you do it. Speaking of England, that is somehow where the Broncos are heading this weekend. Oh. It, is this like it is uncanny? Like without fail. If you were having your worst moment as a franchise of the decade, <laughs> you were somehow have a London game that week. Yeah. And it's the Denver Broncos versus, I'm not making this up, the New York Jets in London. Or no, I think it's against the Jaguars. No, it's, it's the the yearly Jags thing yeah. where the sad Jaguars fans in, in England have to watch their team. So yeah, uh, without fail, if you are, yeah, if you're, if your franchise is on the brink, uh, guess what? It's time to charter a plane to London, England. <laughs> well, with Urban Meyer last year, yeah. right? Yeah. He, so, and just play a horrific game of football yep. for our friends across the pond. Those of you who once dominated us and who now we dominate. Right. We, we humiliate with terrible football. Free, yeah, exactly. Freed of the English yoke and we retaliate by sending the worst it, football. It's very passive aggressive, but I think it works. It is <laughs> extraordinarily bad. And even with the English, though, they got to hand it to a good American passive aggressive attack because they know oh. a thing or two about passive aggression. Yes, so. they, they are famously passive aggressive. Famously passive aggressive. Uh, this show is famously over. Um, for Denny Carter, I'm Patrick Darty. Check out the waivers column that will be live almost certainly by the time you're listening to this, unless you're listening to it on Monday night, where then it won't be up yet because Denny needs to write about the wide receiver still. <laughs> and uh, yeah, just hope you're ready for the show after that. Just extraordinary Monday night game. Denny and I have already witnessed. Yeah, um, so great. check out Denny's article, check out his Q and a on the NFL on NBC YouTube page, 1 PM Eastern on Tuesday. Check out my pre ranks, which will be up at noon Eastern on Tuesday. Listen to all of our shows later this week, read all of our content later this week. Once again, for Denny, I'm Pat. We will catch you later. Life is a highway. And on it, there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. So go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. With the Wells Fargo Active Cash Credit Card, you can earn unlimited 2% cash rewards on purchases you want and purchases you need. That means you earn 2% cash rewards on what you want, like season tickets to watch your favorite team, and 2% cash rewards on what you need, like paying for parking. That's the beauty of the Active Cash Credit Card. It's ready when you are with unlimited 2% cash rewards. The Wells Fargo Active Cash Credit Card. That's real life ready. Terms apply. Learn more at wellsfargo.com slash active cash.